Another Way to Play, episode 85. It was a famous general that said that it's not the planning that makes a successful battle. So it's in the planning, not the execution of the plan, because plans always fail. It's always about how you prepare mentally. So it's just in us preparing that it's going to help us be way more ahead of the game whenever we do get ready to go. This is Justin Akeisha Brooks, entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, and host of Real Life Real Equity Podcast. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should listen to Another Way to Play with our good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the nine to five rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they wanna be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Strazina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is another two-for-one episode. It's a couple, a married couple named Justin and Keisha Brooks. They are what they call serial entrepreneurs, uh, hosts of the Real Life Real Equity podcast, and uh, best-selling authors, uh, and are also married with four young children. In this one, guys, we have some really fantastic conversation. It goes a little bit longer, but this is one you're going to want to stick around for. We talk about a number of topics, including how they started out on their entrepreneurial journey because they weren't always aligned on it, and how they got aligned, how they started going to goal retreats, coming back, spending three, four months working through what they wanted to do, how they wanted their life to look, getting on the same page, and then making it happen from there. Plus, we have some really great conversation around how they are independently trying to build themselves as people, as business owners, and as people in the relationship so that, as they say, they don't need each other, but they want each other. Thought that was a really awesome distinction that you're going to want to listen up for. And we also get into, because we recorded this during the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, the idea that, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. Everyone wants to say, when I'm older, I'll do this. When I'm, you know, next year, I'll do that. But they talk about what that means for them in their journey and how it has influenced their decision making on a daily basis. So guys, you're going to get value out of this one. I absolutely know it. And when you're done listening to it, please head over to iTunes, leave me a rating and review. Uh, Just tell me what you think of the episode or any of the others that I put out. Uh, Give me feedback. I read all of them. Would love to apply some of the advice or thoughts and uh, definitely take uh, the, the boost in the algorithm as well. So I really appreciate that in advance. Thank you. So without any further ado, let's bring in Justin and Keisha Brooks. Justin, Keisha, thank you so much for being on the show. Really excited to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. So excited to be here with you today. Yeah. Well, I'm, I know this has been a long time coming, so I'm glad we finally got to make it happen. Yes. Um, so you guys have a lot going on. And yeah. in the intro, I kind of alluded to a lot of those things. But before we get to that, like, let's back up, let's build a little bit of context and talk about where your journeys started and then maybe how you guys came together. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, 
My entrepreneurial journey started when I was, and this, everybody says, you know, it started a long time ago. Mine actually did start a really long time ago, um, back when I was like seven years old. So, you know, I grew up in a very uh, loving environment. I, I grew up in a broken household. So my parents, you know, divorced when I was in the fourth grade. But my mom always has been one of those proponents of it. You can do anything you want to do if you set your mind to it. And my mom saw in me at a very young age, the entrepreneurial spirit. I watched my mom do everything. I watched my dad and I, you know, watched what they both did. And um, at a young age, my mom seen that and she started putting me in um, stock market camps when I was seven and eight years old. There was a gentleman who put on stock market camps for inner city youth. And I went to that. He bribed us with uh, McDonald's cheeseburgers and uh, bacon, egg and cheese biscuits. And I went and I learned about buy low, sell high and expense ratios. And so I uh, learned a little bit about that. And then my mom put me in some of the entrepreneurial programs in the city, the Kaufman Foundation, which is big in Kansas City. And um, I just kept learning and, and studying entrepreneurship, wrote my first business plan at 12 years old. And um, when I was a senior in high school, I decided to join the military and I joined the military so that I could make money so that I could grow a business at some point, because that's all I wanted to do was be an entrepreneur. As I, as I got older, you know, seven, eight years old, I was in my bed thinking about businesses and growing businesses. So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I got into the military and kind of grew that love and affinity and read some books and that's where I met Keisha. So, Yes. So my journey, you know, he was in Kansas City as a kid. I was in Boston. So I was actually raised in Boston. And at a young age, I actually saw my grandfather own his own company. To me, I always thought he was like a maintenance guy. But then I realized (laughs) that he was the person who actually owned his own plumbing company. And then he was also um, into real estate. So he had a couple of multifamily properties, some of them which were like right around my elementary school. So I saw that at a young age. And then even my father did network marketing. He actually was part of Amway when Amway Mm -hmm. was the thing. He actually did pretty well with that. And then he did insurance sales. So entrepreneurship has kind of always been part of my life, even with my mother Um, She was a seamstress when I was growing up, even though her and my dad were both in the medical field. She actually had people in our living room making gowns, making dresses. So I kind of saw firsthand that work ethic. And so as I got older, you know, I was trying to do different things, being really creative, creating things to sell to people. And so eventually I kind of went into the path of wanting to go to college. So I've never been like the traditional entrepreneur. I, that came when I married Justin <laughs> yeah. um, more recently, but I always wanted to graduate from college, get a degree. And then once we got together, that whole thing just turned around. So, so it's very interesting. So our <laughs> journey collided back in 2008 when we got married and I was in the Navy, so I spent five years in the U.S. Navy, and as I was serving, I was telling Keisha that I wanted to be in real estate, and I wanted to do real estate development and, and real estate investing, and um, being in the military, you don't know where you're going to be uh, three years from that day, so I was due to transfer to a new ship, and uh, I wasn't exactly sure if I was going to be in Seattle um, or if I was going where we lived in Seattle or right outside of Seattle. Um, and I wasn't exactly sure if I was going to be there after that ship. 
And usually when you're in the military, you only buy a house when you hit shore duty. And I was on a ship, so on sea duty. And so I didn't buy uh, a house. And I told her, I said, when we know where we're going next, that's when we'll buy a house. Well, <laughs> uh, the long and short of it is I never got to land duty because I ended up getting out. We had our first uh, daughter who's now um, almost 11. Almost 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and we realized I probably never, you know, go on short duty and I don't want to. So we started to do things together to start the entrepreneur journey. And she reminds me of this every once in a while. And it sticks in my head like, wow, we were really entrepreneurial back then. We were trying to uh, <laughs> sell dinners. We were doing homemade dinners. Yeah. I'd take them to the ship and I'd take them to people that were on duty and I'd sell home cooked meals because I still love to cook. That was one of the things that was one of yeah. my businesses when I was a kid is, is cooking. So um, we would cook together and I'd take them, we'd sell them for $10 a plate. We'd make, you know, four or $5 off of uh, each plate. And, yeah. you know, that would be a way for us to save some money while we were in. Um, we did that for probably a month. It wasn't too long. Um, it <laughs> yeah. was a lot of work. A whole lot yeah, of work. I bet. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So um, we ended up doing that. Uh, fast forward, I got out of the military. We moved down to Daytona Beach and Keisha was in school. We still had the one, uh, one kid. Keisha was in school and I was in school, finished school, or I got tired of school, basically, and uh, went and got my real estate license. So I'm talking a lot only because a lot of the stuff that we did as entrepreneurs back in the beginning was just me kind of like, I want to go, I want to go, go, go. Right. Keisha was on the path to be superstar uh, criminal, what is it, CSI? CSI, yes. Uh, (laughs) Um, But when we finally came together, it was about three years ago. Yeah. years ago. It wasn't very long. I mean, we've been married for almost 12 years and it wasn't until year eight or nine where we're like, you know, it makes sense for us to stop fighting each other and kind of going separate and figure out where we intersect and yeah. then go. And so that's where we started creating our life together intentionally, um, which is where we started our podcast. We have a couple of businesses where we're putting together, started investing in real estate, learning about real estate and everything. So it's really great. I mean, what your your guys' story is one of the big reasons I wanted to bring you on the show is because because of that story that you know that trajectory that like there's so many moments of change and you know decision making and that sort of thing. I mean, I, I guess one that I really want to dig in on because I think a lot of people listening can relate to having you know the idea to make a make a new business or start young or whatever like we've all heard that but you guys have literally come together as a married couple in order to put your eggs both in one basket which i think a lot of people would would argue against and you know f- having a family business which is also something that a lot of people would argue against but can you talk us through the decision what it when that was 3 to 4 years ago of actually going into business with each other professionally and then having your your home life and your children and parenting and all of that stuff kind of just smashed all together all of a sudden like how did you make that decision and how have you managed it absolutely so it's interesting that you asked that question we literally (laughs) were just talking about this because we kind of asked each other as we're even in the process of just transitioning um repositioning our businesses I kind of asked Justin, I was just like, you know, if you could do something different, what would that be? And he instantly said, I would have waited to have a family. I wouldn't have gotten married so quickly. I would have done all the things that we're doing now in my 20s so that now 
I'd be married. We probably just start have, you know, start having that family. And so now we have four beautiful girls (laughs) from ages almost 11 to one and a half. And literally it took us getting together and we actually went to a goals retreat. That's where it Mm -hmm. started um, with the real estate guys. And so we got together that weekend in San Diego and we actually probably had a disagreement before we even went. But I took the time away from, I was working a W-2 job. So I took the time away from work, went down no, with no, him. Don't no, forget, we flew, we had to fly somebody in from another state. Oh yeah, we did. So we, <laughs> we oh, wow. a big event. We flew somebody from Memphis, let him stay in our house. Mm-hmm. She took off uh, almost 10 days from work. Um, we had to coordinate like two different people at the same time coming in and out. Yeah. The one person that came in couldn't watch them all the days. And it was, a, it was a very interesting kind of thing because it took a lot of effort and energy for Price and it was an get expensive there. event. It was yeah. $1,500 a ticket. So Right. Um, so you guys had like an event. Like this wasn't just like a progression, right? <laughs> no. Like some of us go through a couple of months of like it just evolves and builds and then all of a sudden here we are. Like you literally had like a moment that mm-hmm. was well, kind of defining I, for you in this way. I think to Keisha's point when we were talking about this last – and how I said, you know, I wish we had waited a little longer. And, you know, in our 30s now, we're thinking, okay, if we could give our younger self some advice and opinion, what would that be? And it would be to wait, like slow down. Everything's going to be okay. Just wait, yeah. do your thing and then grow. But we didn't. And that's okay. Because I told her also, I said, you know, this is our story to help someone else yeah. because somebody else did exactly what we did and thinks that you can't get through and we're doing it. So yeah, we had an event, but it was only because we had so many small things happen in uh, progressive, greater growth. Like we would get into more progressively uh, bigger fallouts, we'd get into <laughs> progressively larger um, increments of debt yeah. because we were, we were learning about real estate. We were flipping houses And we were doing bigger and bigger deals. Mm -hmm. Um, And it got to a point where she was working her job and she said, I want to quit. And I said, hold on. (laughs) You told me for the last seven years you wanted to work. All you cared about was working for somebody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now it's year eight. You're ready to be an entrepreneur because you finally had to work for somebody. Now, she did one of the harder jobs you can do, which is being a stay-at-home mom. And then she went to work. And then she got to work and she was like, I don't really like this anymore. And I said, oh, you're going to have to fight through it a little longer because you said for seven years, you never wanted to do entrepreneurship right. work for us. Yeah. But when we had that falling out, we went down to the goals retreat. Mm-hmm. And my big thing was I knew that I wanted to go to the goals retreat. I also knew Robert Kiyosaki and, and Kim Kiyosaki always talked about how they're interdependent, where they don't depend on each other. They're interdependent on each other. So each one of them has the ability to take care of themselves and not have to worry about the other one. So it creates a stronger bond for them to stay together because they don't need each other. They want each other. And I always have wanted that relationship where Keisha doesn't need me. She wants me and I don't need her. I want to be with her. And so when you do that with two powerful people, it creates a level of intensity. And so we went down to that goal setting retreat with that whole intention in mind. And it didn't just like magically happen after we were done. Like, <laughs> no, there was a lot was, going on. It was a lot. Even to this day, we still are not a hundred percent working together all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. We're, we just had a conversation last week about it. Yeah. So. 
Man, well, thank you for that authenticity and vulnerability there because it's real. Like you just described a, a moment that many of us go through, whether our spouse or our friends or our parents are sort of on one side of the fence and we're trying to jump over to go to the entrepreneur mm -hmm. side or something more, you know, investing in real estate or whatever. And it's a process. It's definitely not something that you can just snap your fingers and you're on the same page and it all of a sudden happens. Like it is absolutely right. a process, but you've clearly through those actions that you described earlier, made it intentional for you guys. Like you were willing to commit the money, the time, you know, flying the person in to watch the kids to make that happen, which is, is so much of the first steps for sure is, yeah. is committing. So you, you go to the goals retreat, sounds like you came together closer in some ways and you got simil onto similar paths and out of that came the podcast and some of the businesses that you're doing now. Is, is that the case? Yes, that's correct. Yep. Once we got back from the goals retreat, we spent the next three or four months really diving in deeper. So she was still working her full-time job and um, I was still working my full-time job and um, at the goals retreat. This is like the power of unity. Um, at the Goals Retreat, I met a friend of mine who we ended up getting into business together and we started our assisted living home. Well, Keisha was still working full time and we were now doing more progressively bigger deals. We're starting to flip more houses, do more deals. We're selling off property. We're renting property and we're doing all these things in, in progressively bigger uh, scopes. And it was about a year in of us going to all these different conferences and seminars. And um, he's just like, you know, I think I want to do something. I just don't know exactly what. <laughs> so I said, all right, sweet. We started off going, we went to a sales training together. I think it was sales training. Was it sales training or a, uh, the other conference? I think it was the, the other conference first. The okay. So secrets of the session. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we went to a syndication conference. I said, if you're going to get into it, you should definitely learn about that business. So we did. We started learning about the side of the business because I was interested. I was like, oh, yeah, you're, she's definitely where I'm more uh, introverted. She's definitely more extroverted. Mm -hmm. Like she's definitely like way more go getter than me. So we went out there and then we went to another training uh, sales training together. And by this time, she was pregnant with our third daughter. Fourth. Yeah, because yeah, Goals Retreat was oh, three. Okay. So fourth. fourth. <laughs> uh, well, she was pregnant with our fourth daughter, and I remember because they bought her a special chair. Why didn't they? <laughs> they bought her a special chair. But um, we spent a ton actually growing and figuring each other out where we wanted to come together. And so when we were at that sales training, she said, Justin, we need to start a podcast. And I said, okay. Well, if we start a podcast, we are definitely going to make sure we do it correctly. And so because Robert and Russ, uh, who are the real estate guys, they always talk about if you got to be dedicated to it. People are going to yep. be depending on you. And I was like, well, mm -hmm. you're in for it. So we, we agreed. And uh, we started doing a podcast that year. And um, this was about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, and we haven't stopped since. Um, she started her short-term rental business about over a, a year, year ago. a little bit over a year ago. Mm -hmm. So about six months into the podcast, we were doing that. Mm -hmm. And I started my sister living business about two years before that, three years before that. So it's been a very interesting journey um, of us coming together and now um, even doing more projects with like assisted living and stuff. So I'm struck by your story, both individually and then it obviously as a unit, how you guys had 
probably any amount of excuses to not start these businesses and not go to these conferences and not, you know, at least even do the goal setting together, like kids running around, you have your full-time jobs in the beginning and like talk to me and talk to the audience about how you started to manage that and like how you overcame some of the stuff that I think most people would say is like, yo, I can't get over this hurdle. Like it's just too much, right? Like how did you guys balance all of that? Well, um, I can probably answer this more. Um, and I'm just thinking about it. It makes me just a little emotional. Um, I don't know, maybe because there's so much going on now. But um, in 2015, three weeks after we had Gabrielle, I actually lost my dad. And so that was the hardest time of my life because my dad actually passed away outside of the States. So mm-hmm. it was this process of getting him back to us and then burying him. Mm-hmm. And during that time also, Justin was kind of getting more inclined and figuring out more ways, new ways to get involved in real estate networking. And I was just in this, I don't want to do anything <laughs> right mm-hmm. now. Let me mm-hmm. just deal with my grief. And I literally stepped back from a majority of the things we had going on. And I believe that because I still had to be a mom, that's what kept me level-headed. I'm thankful for the opportunity that Justin took the time to take pictures and everything, because honestly, I don't even remember a lot of that time frame. At least six or seven months of that time frame is like a fog to me. And I had people that will walk up to me and be like, oh, yeah, I met you and I saw the new baby. And I'm like, which new baby? And then they tell me and I'm like, I apologize, but I don't remember, you know, because I just totally disconnected from the world besides being a mom. And so for me, my dad was born with congenital heart disease. So Mm -hmm. back in the 1950s, that was known as a blue blue baby or a hole in his heart. And Mm -hmm. so when he um, passed away related to that condition, um, my dad never wore his condition. He lived life to the fullest. Mm -hmm. When we buried my dad, I thought there was two, like, you know how you have a wake? I thought there was two going on. It was so many people just showing up for my dad. And that just showed me the impact that he had while he was present while he was here, the people Mm -hmm. he reached out to in the community, um, because he even started to get involved in real estate. I remember he actually wanted to do some stuff with Justin. And so that just kind of thinking on that and reflecting was the way that I got out of that situation to even become the person that I am now. And again, I'm just, you know, forever grateful that there's many photos of that time for me to remember um, that time in a more positive light. Mm-hmm. versus the grief that I was going through. But yeah, to your point, we didn't let our situation slow us down. And yeah. that's, which it was like, you know, we could really sit back and say, you know, I got a kid. We got two, we got three, we got four. We got four. Let's just, <laughs> let's just hold on until they grow. But yeah. we both watched our parents wait until they got older to do anything they wanted to do. And I told Keisha, I said, I'm not waiting my kids to grow older to do what I want to do. I'm going to do it now because I watch how my mom, my parents are getting older and they're not able to do the things they want to do. Mm-hmm. And then now they're too tired to do the things they want to do. And back when they were young, they didn't do it because they had us. And it's that catch 22. Do you mm-hmm. do it when they're young or do you do it when you're old? Just said, I'm not going to do it when my kids are 
old because I want them to see me do the thing. So, I, I mean, the excuse is okay. Yeah, you can create an excuse if you want, but I did a whole lot more when I was in the military than I have to do now. And, you know, I have more freedom. So I can do whatever mm-hmm. I want to do. Yeah. Um, we don't let a lot of excuses hold us back. That perspective, I think, is super valuable, both what you were saying about the military, but also the family thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, taking a step back and really thinking about the implications, the long-term implications of what you're talking about, like waiting versus jumping in and, you know, what if this happens? What if I don't have enough time? Whatever it is, I totally understand like looking forward because when in my rowing career there were some moments when I thought about retiring and I ended up thinking personally like if I'm 40 and I hit this and I get to the point where I'm physically just can't do this anymore will I be satisfied with what I put in and the answer was always no and I just kept rolling and it sounds like you went through a very similar process and so to uh, someone listening to this, I would encourage you to consider, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you know, if you didn't do this right now, is that future version of yourself going to regret it? Because, mm, yeah, because it, it sounds like you guys really leaned into that one way or another. And, and that has led you down this path of the podcast and the books and the real estate investments and the businesses and all the things that you're now doing. And it started with that decision. And it, as simple as it was, it led you to a, this whole amazing world that you're in now. Yes. You hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, if we think about mortality, I mean, you're going to die soon. Eventually when you die one, if you're old, will you regret anything? Mm -hmm. Two, we're not promised to get old, you know, and you know, I hate to bring this up, but you know, Kobe Bryant died. He's 40 Mm -hmm. years old. The man is just getting started on his second career. He was the best, one of the best basketball players to ever play the game. And now he's passed on thinking he was going to have an even bigger second career than his first. Yeah. And so, Putting that into perspective, there is no such thing as time. I used to work for the railroad. And so, you know, the whole thing with the railroad is, you know, 30 plus years and retire at age 60 and, you know, go on and live your your best life after that. Well, the reality is we're not promised to make it to 60 years old. Mm -hmm. If I spent the the next 30 years hoping to get to 60 and then at 60 die, I just wasted 30 years of my life. And so why not try? Yeah. And I want to just point out that like, it's the intention, right? It's not necessarily working on the railroad or or something else. It's like the intention of pursuing your dreams and your goals and your passions. Cause someone may aspire to be the best, you know, foreman on the railroad, whatever the title is. Right. And if that's your intention, then that's exactly what you need to be doing. But so many of us do not ask those questions. Mm -hmm. We think time is, especially when we're young in our 20s and 30s, we think time is an unlimited resource when in fact it is the most finite resource we all possess together. And we're recording this on March 20th and we're right in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic. And there are people dying right now from that that two weeks ago, no one even knew how to pronounce coronavirus. And here we are, right? you know, to your point, Justin, like nothing is guaranteed. Like you think you do it old when you're older, do it next week, next month, next year, but you're not guaranteed that. And right. so as is represented by your story, it's not to say go quit your job and start a company tomorrow. Like you guys started going to these conferences, learning, getting on the same page with your goals. And you said, even yeah. after you left that conference, three, four months 
went by before you really kind of sunk into the next thing, right? You like did it intelligently, did it on purpose with an end goal in mind. You're not just like, go act and go do something and that'll be, the, it'll be great, you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> no dude, I want to make sure that I, I clarify something. We're big on reality. That's one of the reasons we named our podcast for Life Real Equity. We're yeah. big on reality. I hate playing the faking game. I hate where, you know, somebody makes it seem like oh, you're Facebook famous, you know, you're, you're living your best life all the time. The reality is, you're right. I set an intention. Me personally, before I ever got married to Keisha, I, I said, I am going to do everything in my power to be one of the richest people in the world. I admired back in, when I was seven or eight years old, Bill Gates. That was my hero. Mm-hmm. And he was the richest man in the world. And it just so happened that my aunt worked for Microsoft because they all lived in Seattle. So I set an, an intention in my head as a little kid. And as I grew older, I started to learn what I needed to do to actually get there. And I knew nothing. So I spent the last 10 years of my life reading six, 700 books on business and finance and real estate and personal development and changing my mind so that when the opportunity came, I could actually execute. So you're right. There is an extreme level of intention behind it. And I do not like when I hear people say, just quit your job. And everything would be okay. That's not what we did. <laughs> no. Like I, you, you would be amazed at how many notepads I have performing mm-hmm. out how to replace my hundred thousand dollar, hundred eighty thousand dollar year income that I had coming in as a railroader slash business owner. Like how many times I've set out there, and you know, it comes down to will you actually take the intentionality to go do the thing? Yeah. Well, and then yeah. also just positioning our family to also be part of that vision. That's Mm -hmm. something else that we really talk about is, you know, the vision of our home and establishing that and then also understanding how to get there through the mission, planning that, setting goals, something that we really do intentionally every single year before the new year starts. Like Mm -hmm. October is usually the time frame that we're sitting down, setting our goals for the upcoming year. We're not waiting Mm -hmm. till January 1st, because like you said, time is just so limited. Time waits for no one. So we always Mm -hmm. start between October and November with our goals. It's very intentional. Even with our kids, there's a lot of things that we've changed, just the dynamics of our household from how we wake up in the morning to what we're eating. Everybody is on the same page. And then we're telling them, this is why we're doing it. This is the mission. This is our vision. This is where we're going and helping them understand that. And then children, they're going to do exactly what they see. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they oftentimes are in the corner building skyscrapers, you know, have somebody's the CEO. They all try to be the CEO, but I mean, it's intentional, (laughs) you know, everything that we're doing, everybody's performing as one unit. That's so cool. Um, We're getting to the end of the time, but I want to finish up with this question before we get to the last section of the show, which is you guys are business owners, you know, you have the podcast, there's a lot of people who are, you know, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business owners, etc., who are in the throes of a, you know, this pandemic that we mentioned before, like, I think, uh, Justin, you had said, like, I was kind of in planning for recession this year. I was not planning for uh, as pandemic and isolation and all right. <laughs> shelter in place stuff. Like, how in your minds do you guys think about sort of planning for the unknown and then when it shows up, handling it? Mm. So with the pandemic, man, I was ready for a recession. Um, I wasn't totally mentally ready for the recession, 
and I didn't really realize this until we were, uh, you know, starting to look at being quarantined. I said, you know, I spent the last 10 years of my life spending every dollar I had learning. It's going really, really deep with real estate, um, not just like surface level deep, but like people would be surprised. I haven't, I didn't buy a hundred houses. I bought enough houses to really go deep on understanding cap rates and rental income and gross uh, operating income and net operating income and what debt service is and how to pitch banks. I understood this stuff to a very deep level. And now that we're in a recession, I'm like, well, shoot, when we hit this recession, I'm going to just be able to go out and run because that's when a lot of money is made is in recessions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is I was expecting a recession with no quarantine. And now that you yeah. have a quarantine, you can't <laughs> just go out and do business deals like you normally would. So how do you overcome that? Well, one of the things that Keisha and I have been doing is while we're in quarantine, while we're you know stuck in the house together, let's prep, let's prepare because all I can think about is the more prepared we are when we're in the house, the more we are working while we're in the house, not saying we work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but when we're at home and we're together, we sit down intentionally and talk through how we're going to get there. And I just think about this slingshot that's being pulled back. Mm-hmm. And the more we prepare, we're pulling the slingshot further and further back. So when the doors actually do open, you'll see us, but you'll see us, we're moving mm-hmm. so fast that you're wondering like, what the heck happened to those guys? Because <laughs> yep. we are in the, like the basement, we're in our, our lab yeah. working constantly on mm-hmm. when these doors open back up, how to get there, wherever there is for us. Yeah. Well, no matter what your business may be, now is the time to really plan, yeah. you know, because even though there might be a little bit of revenue loss, a little bit of setback, if you're or like a lot of, bit of setback, a lot of setback. Yeah. My business, for instance, I've been steady with the revenue, but we still got at least three or four months to go. So mm-hmm. as the summertime hits, I'm expecting this burst of okay, we're out the house, we're going to travel, and that's going to work great for me. So it's a matter of just being prepared, whatever your business mm-hmm. is, to know okay, we're at this setback, but be prepared to take on the sales, be prepared for the customers, be prepared for your consumers and then Mm -hmm. get creative. You know, we all are now virtual or, you know, talking on the phone more than anything else. Just talk to people, figure out what it is that they're needing right in this moment so that you can help them. I also have a little bit of pessimism also. So, you know, even if we don't hit a huge like growth spurt, even if we don't make a, like everybody comes out the house and is ready to go. Yeah. The planning is what is uh it was a uh, fail to plan you plan to fail there you go mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know it's, it was a famous general that said that it's not the planning that makes a successful battle so it's in the planning not the execution of the plan mm. because plans always fail it's always about how you prepare mentally so it's just in us preparing that it's going to help us be way more ahead of the game whenever we do get ready to go yeah Right on, guys. This is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Uh, With that, I do want to transition us to the last segment of the show called the Focus Five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) First question, what book or in your guys' case, books have you gifted most often? 
Uh, I'm going to list off like my top top Um, (laughs) how to win friends and influence people think and grow rich those are like the two that everybody knows about Um, I love the e-myth Peak by Chip Conley that's a book I love absolutely absolutely love and then the one thing by uh, Gary Keller and I would say the instant millionaire and um, I always like this one but all in startup um, by Diana Kander if you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Ooh, we can only pick one. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. So, I mean, a lot of people might like this person, but this has always just been the person for me. I, it would be Oprah because of her story. I mean, I just love her story, how she's become the person that she is, not not even present Oprah, more like talk show host Oprah, just getting to that point of her life. Like now it's just, you know, expanded, but she would be the mm-hmm. person that, like I want to be on her Super Soul Sunday, just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I would probably choose, and I this one, I had to think about really, really hard, but um, I, it's been in my head every, uh, every once in a while I think about it, Solomon. Like from mm. the Bible, Solomon. Yeah. Um, wow. Because and yeah, that's something that I probably would have never told anybody other than uh, unless I was asked. But the reason <laughs> is because he was uh, supposedly the wisest man in the world, and so wisdom um, can get you. Like everybody wants to learn from the richest people in the world. Why? Because they have wisdom, and if you have wisdom you can make money. It's not the money that makes you money. It's the wisdom. So, mm, yeah. Um, it'd probably be Solomon. Great answer, man. To both of you, great answers. What's one thing you believe that most people would disagree with you on? Would disagree. Hmm. Mm. There's ahead. one that I could think of that we, I mean, and this is one, um, defining what, tithing means Mm. so um (laughs) a lot of people think tithing is giving money giving 10 percent of your earnings and Mm. for us we have defined tithing as many other things whether that's your time you know growth um you could probably elaborate more but it's not always money for us and a lot of people feel like well that's the way that you support your community is that 10% that you're giving and sometimes just giving someone your time you know sharing the wisdom the knowledge with them goes so much further than just me handing them ten dollars because they could just blow that Uh, I'm gonna say um, faith Um, I think a lot of people would disagree with me on faith because uh, you start talking about faith I don't I don't talk about faith the same way people talk about faith and I told you back in the day, I read Think and Grow Rich. I read, I've read almost everything by Napoleon Hill. And one of the things he talks about is faith and persistence and determination and all those things. And to me, faith is an action more than a word. And so a lot of people think, oh, I'll just believe. Well, it's not, that's not what faith is. It's, it's an action. So I think a lot of people would disagree with me on faith. Um, I don't believe that you can actually go through entrepreneurship without a level of faith or belief that you can actually do it. Um, and I don't believe um, believing you can actually do it is enough. You have to step into that darkness with full confidence, knowing that your next step is not going to be a gaping hole that you fall flat on your face in. And even if it is, that 
if you fall flat on your face, it was meant for you to fall flat on your face and you get back up and keep going. <laughs> Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you guys start your day? <laughs> She's laughing because the reality is every day is not the same routine. I wish it was. Um, most days I try to get up by 5, 5.30 at the latest. Um, some days it's 6. It just depends on the night before. But we have kids, so no matter what day of the week, somebody is waking us up by 6.30 in the morning, every single morning, um, unless it's a weekend and they don't set their alarm clock. But if the morning, sun's up, they're up. the sun's up, they're up. So <laughs> every single morning I wake up, I read or I drink my coffee. I sit down and um, I read something. I think I spend a lot of time uh, thinking. Usually this is the quietest time I get. So if I get up at five, I'm spending at least an hour thinking. If I get up at 5.30, I, I spend 30 minutes thinking because somebody's waking up at six or 6.15. And then from like 6.30 to seven, I try to read and journal. I got a high performance journal by Brendan Burchard that I go through every day. Um, and then from 6.45 to seven, 7.15, I'm usually on the elliptical. I'm doing some cardio work and then I do some weight work, uh, put my muscles under tension and then uh, we take kids to school. <laughs> my morning routine is um, not necessarily a morning routine. Um, I honestly, I, I do things in the reverse. I probably have more of a nightly routine versus mm -hmm. the morning. That so, I mean, I just, true, that right? just works for me. Um, yeah. I like to get the extra sleep in the morning when he's up and he can get the kids going. And then I get up slowly, have coffee. And then I have my little business partner with me, uh, which is our youngest kid. But nightly when everyone's sleep around eight thirty, nine 9 o'clock, I can actually wind down maybe a glass of wine and then I can go over what did I do that day? Did I accomplish the task that I wanted to get done? preparing for the next day. That's just what works for me. Um, figuring out what things I need to get done for the rest of the week. Um, yep. Usually on Sundays is that time frame when I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to execute for that week. Mine is a nightly routine. So at night, I'm doing my breathing exercises and, you know, getting myself together for the rest of the week. Which is why I like to ask this question, because <laughs> you guys are a perfect example of a dichotomy in that the answer because everyone has a different routine and it, you don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. and do yoga and green drinks and all that sort of stuff to be successful. So thank you for sharing all that. Guys, you killed it today. You brought so much value. I really, really appreciate you both. What is the best place online that the audience can connect with you guys? Mm. You want to give it to them? Sure. So the best place uh, to connect to both of us at once is going to be RealLifeProEquity.com. Um, you can also find us on LinkedIn at RealLifeProEquity.com or at Keisha Brooks or at Justin Brooks. <laughs> um, and then Justin Brooks team or something like that. On yeah. But you'll find me. Yes. Um, and then, of course, Instagram. Justin Brooks REI. Yes. And then I am Marie the Entrepreneur on instagram and then on facebook you can find us just look us up yes yeah. <laughs> yeah well we'll link to instagram linkedin the website all that good stuff in the show notes guys so if you want to go connect with them that's the place to do it guys thank you so much for being on the show today really appreciate it really appreciate the authenticity and everything you shared have a great rest of your day and good luck with everything going forward thank appreciate you so much it. thanks for having us thank you 
And that wraps it up for today. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you want to connect with Justin and Keisha directly, I've got LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff, plus their website, realliferealequity.com down in the show notes. And then if you type that in Real Life Real Equity to whatever podcast player you're listening to this episode on, you will find their show as well. I was a guest on that one. Uh, Very honored to be on their show and definitely is something you're going to want to check out and get their perspective if you resonate with them. So guys, without any further ado, let's just go ahead and sign it off for today. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.